From the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, I'm your host, AANP President April Kapu, and this is NP Pulse, the voice of the nurse practitioner. Welcome to NP Pulse, AANP's official podcast, bringing you unique nurse practitioner voices and expertise on issues that matter to NPs and our patients. Our guest today is a nurse practitioner leader and champion for the health of her community. In this special Black History Month episode of NP Pulse, she shares with us her perspectives and experiences as an NP of color and tells some wonderful stories about two of the nurses in Black history that she looks up to who were having major impacts on healthcare as far back as the 19th century. I am honored to have her as our guest today. Please help me welcome nurse practitioner, CEO of Serenity Healthcare, and founder of the Tennessee Nurse Practitioner Association, Dr. Irene Bean. <laughs> Welcome to NP Pulse, Dr. Bean. It's so nice to have you with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, it's just lovely to have you here. I know you're quite busy this week uh, with everything going on with your practice, as well as everything going on on Capitol Hill in Tennessee and with your association. I just am so thrilled that you're able to spend some time with us to tell us a little bit more about your story and then a little bit more about Black History Month. So I'm so glad you're here. You and I have known each other for so long, so I'm just excited (laughs) to be able to spend some time with you today. (laughs) So Irene, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got your start? Tell us about what led you to becoming a nurse? What led you to becoming a nurse practitioner? Okay. So, wow, that, that is such a long story because (laughs) literally I did not have nursing in my plans at all. I actually started out wanting to become a computer analyst Okay, and it was just a whirlwind of things that happened and the computer, the computer aspect, it didn't really work out. I just really didn't like it. I thought, it was possibly the worst thought that I could have ever had. It was just like, what are you thinking, girl? And so I was like, what is it that I really, really want to do with my life? And so I kind of went through some classes and um, it was quite interesting. I had um, two incidents to occur. Okay. And two that really stuck out with me the most Um, One was my dad. My dad was a smoker and he smoked. Oh, goodness. He probably smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. Oh, wow. And he didn't think anything about it. We didn't think anything about it because that's Mm -hmm. what they did back then. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as he continued his smoking journey, his breathing was worse and he was having shortness of breath Mm -hmm. and when he would uh, go uh, walking or whatever he was doing, 
he kept saying, well, I can't breathe. I don't know what's going on. It obviously wasn't the cigarettes. And so he said, <laughs> well, you know, um, I said, well, maybe you should cut back on your smoking. No, I don't think that's it. Okay. Well, you know, so it, it actually became worse. And so we ended up in the emergency room one night mm-hmm. and I recall uh, a nurse practitioner I remember her name was Amy. I do not remember her last name, but Amy mm-hmm. was such a caregiver. And I thought, wow, you are extremely good with these patients. So I talked to her and I said, what do you actually do for the uh-huh, hospital? Right. And so she said, well, I'm a nurse practitioner. And so being a computer analyst that I thought I would be did not know <laughs> what uh, a nurse practitioner was. And I was like, okay, so what do you do? You treat patients? And she said, yes. And so I was like, okay, and what else do you do? She said, I'm an educator. She said, I like to educate patients. And okay. so the light bulb started going off. When you're an educator, you put more into, you know, the teaching aspect patients for your right. patients, right? Because you want them to know everything about their disease stages and the processes and what to expect. So I thought, okay, she's really friendly. She's really good. So okay. I remember she gave us handouts and she said, you can find lots of information, lots of resources about this because we weren't, Okay, I'm telling my age, but we weren't really in the computer age of where you can research and find resources on the internet. So you had to do a lot of digging in the library trying to figure out, you know, things because I um, actually grew up, I was born in West Tennessee in Bolivar. Okay. And I was there for until I was four or five or so. Then we moved to Chicago and that's where I spent the most of my my um, life was there in Chicago. But, you know, we didn't have the information that we needed. So I figured, I was like, you know, I think that I need to look into something medical. And so, yeah, it came to be that everyone was like, you should go into the intensive care unit. But <laughs> I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I said, I learned a lot more about being a med surgeon nurse because you do everything right? except for ICU. So um, I wanted to stay on um, the med surge floor and actually be impactful for those patients and for those families. And actually, it was educational for me as well. And so I really enjoyed that. And I stayed around with that for about eight years. And I decided that, you know, maybe you should go back to school and become that nurse practitioner that you said you wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And so I went, I said, okay, so let me research some of this information. So I returned to school, went to Tennessee State and completed my um, my master's degree as a nurse practitioner. Mm -hmm. And then. I decided, well, you need a little more education. You need some more education. So, you know, I said, okay, let's just wait. Let's pump the brakes right here and, 
you know, see what you really want to do with this nurse practitioner career. So I waited three, four years after my master's, I decided that I wanted to return to school. Okay. And, and, and I received my doctorate of nursing practice. And so I did that. So interestingly, in the midst of my returning to school, I decided to open a practice. I don't know what I was thinking. It's <laughs> like, you know, you can do this. You know, I thought I was superwoman. And I was like, and you, you are. can do this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that confidence. But I did. So I decided. So I went back to school. I returned to school. And when I returned to school, I was opening a practice. And I was like literally pulling my hair out because I was wanting to be this um, nurse practitioner who made absolutely no mistakes and wanted to be perfect with everything that I did. But I also wanted to be perfect in school, but I had this thing called a family. Right. <laughs> so they were like, um, when are you going to spend time with us? And right. I said, when I finish school, we can have all the time in the world. <laughs> and so, mm -hmm. you know, it, you know, life became life. And, you know, I had to put the family on the back burner in order to complete school. And but and I did. I went to Loyola University uh, in New Orleans. I completed my DMP there. And so I worked as a nurse practitioner in my own practice. And I've had my own practice now for 14 years. And okay. so it's it's continuously growing, which is really good for me. So I couldn't get enough of school, right? <laughs> and so I decided that I needed to return to get my psychiatric nurse practitioner certification. Okay. So, okay. So yes, and so so Johns Hopkins was the the school of choice there. And and the reason I did that is not because I don't know how to sit home and not do anything. And but you know, I don't but when I sit home, my mind starts wondering and I'm thinking, okay, so you're seeing these patients and these patients are needing behavioral health care. Right. And according to our scope of practice, I couldn't treat the patients according to with according to our scope of practice and what they actually needed. Because you're a family nurse because practitioner Because I'm a family nurse practitioner. Absolutely. Right. And so in following and trying to keep this law, I decided that, you know, this is too much. We're having to wait up to three months for patients to be referred to um, a, a specialist, to a um, mental health specialist. And I thought, what if? <laughs> so, right. What if you try this again? And so I said, okay. So I talked to my husband this time. I really talked to him and he uh -huh. wasn't really interested in me going back to school, but he was supportive. And he said, so, um, you know, he, he can see the dilemma. And because I'm feeling as if, if these patients are in crisis and we're having to wait for three months to get them in, 
they're going to fall through the cracks and no one's going to pick those patients up. And then I don't know if you've dealt with a lot of mental health patients or mm-hmm. behavioral health patients. What happens is once you get them in your practice right. and you don't treat them while they're there, they're not returning for that. They're going to come mm-hmm. in for everything except behavioral health. And so I thought, what if you received all of your care in one particular place? Because the, the other part about uh, healthcare providers is that your patient, they must feel comfortable with you. Right. If they're not comfortable with you, they're not, they don't want your medical nor your psychiatric uh, treatments for them. They're going to go someplace else or they're not going to see anyone at this point. So now you're dual certified as a family mm-hmm. nurse practitioner yes. and a psych mental health nurse practitioner. Yes. You have a thriving practice. You have yes. patients in the community that trust you. You've built a relationship with them. They come to see you. They're mm-hmm. now able to receive their medical care as well as behavioral health needs in there mm-hmm. while they're seeing you for that appointment. And like you said, if if they leave, they may not come back. And right. so you're able to provide more comprehensive care. Now, mm-hmm. Irene, you bring up something. So you, as you are going along your journey, you're, you're building your patient practice and more and more patients in the community are learning about you and they're coming to see you. And many of them probably have not had healthcare needs or they haven't seen a regular healthcare provider in a long time or at all. And Mm -hmm. now you're able to provide regular healthcare services, health promotion, uh, preventative services, and regular healthcare um, maintenance for them. So now Irene, you mentioned being active on social media with the Tennessee Nurse Practitioner Association. And during this month, uh, not only have you had encouraging messages for nurse practitioners and you've put out um, information, education, you're telling people about um, the different things that are happening this month. It happens to be Black History Month, which is huge. And you're putting out information and sharing stories about very prominent individuals in history and sharing stories that I haven't heard. And when I read them, I thought, oh my gosh, this is such a compelling story. And this is a piece of history that I didn't know. And so I was wondering if you might be willing to share with our listeners a couple of these stories, because they really impacted our history as nurses. Definitely that, you know, that, that, Right. So true, because, you know, to be honest, a lot of blacks, uh, nurse practitioners, registered nurses, a lot of times we don't see a mentor for us. Uh, there, There are many times that we wonder, we wonder, you know, where is the person who looks like me. Right. So when we have Black History Month, I I usually make it, uh, I I intentionally post information on Black nurses in, in our history so that they can see that, listen, they had it a lot harder 
than we do now. You can do and achieve what you want to achieve if you put the work into it. We can't sit around and decide that someone is going to do this for us. You have to make it happen. And so two of the nurses that I usually put every year, I put these two nurses up and I add other people, but these two are so impactful in our history. And if we don't know them, we should get to know them. So what I would like is for every nurse practitioner, every nurse to look at these ladies. So let's look at Mary Mahoney. She was born in 1845. So you know Mm -hmm. they had absolutely zero uh, um, rights to do anything in 1845. But she was admitted to the nursing school in New England at the uh, New England Hospital for Women and Children. Okay. And she became the first black woman to complete nurses training in 1879. Now, if she could do that, then what about us now? We have resources. We can do that. And it goes on to talk about how she was one of the first black members of the American Nurses Association. And that to me, that just that just gave me so much joy. And Mm -hmm. I said, what? So we don't hear these stories. We don't hear about these nurses that were so impactful during their time period unless we do more research. And they said that she was also credited as one of the first women to register to vote in Boston during the ratification of the 19th Amendment in 1920. So you tell me that you can't get out and vote, then I have an issue with you. Because Mm -hmm. look at all of the things that she would have had to go through to vote. So if she could do it, what about us? Mm -hmm. So Mahoney was also, she was inducted into the Nursing Hall of Fame and the National Women's Hall of Fame. And I said, Uh wow, that is a role model that I've never met, but I am so impressed with her pedigree. I am so impressed with her. The other person, I just get so excited about this. I do too. I do too. She was a registered nurse. Her name is Lillian Holland Harvey. Okay. So Miss Harvey, she became the dean of the Tuskegee University School of Nursing in 1948. Okay. So they were educating way back when. So I love it. I really, really love it. Said that she was in that position for over 30 years. Said that during her time as dean, she also established the Alabama's first Bachelor of Science degree in nursing. Alabama. She actually did this in Alabama. So, you know, we can talk about horror stories from Alabama back in 1940s. Mm-hmm. And here you are, a black registered nurse going into this area to teach these girls about becoming a nurse. And then you establish the BSN program for them. 
I'm just like so amazed with her. And then it said, it also said that she received the harsh segregation rules of the 1940s, right? Right. But that didn't deter her from doing what she needed to do. She didn't care about her own safety. She was there to impact and lead other nurses as a BSN. And so when you when you sit back and you think about all of the things that this lady has done for us as mm -hmm. nurses, and you think about the things that Mahoney did as a nurse, and you cannot say anything that's good about nurses in the past, and you think that we are doing so much now, just sit back, read your history, mm -hmm. and see how well these women performed their duties in the 1800s and then in the 1940s. And here we are in 2022, and we still don't appreciate what our history has done for us. And so that's where I am with that. And that's why um, I share these stories to make sure that we don't forget about them. Um, one of, one of the, one of the people, Linda, uh, I know I'm a mess up her last name, Deribio, Deribio. She said that she remembers uh, working in Cuba and she said, Lillian Harvey's picture is on the wall. She said she also had an impact for nurses in Cuba. And so I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, wow, you know, it's how much more? Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And so I get so excited. So just forgive me for that. But I get so excited to hear how far our profession has, uh, how far our profession has stretched across these waters to all types of nurses. But when I think of black history and I think about these women who have their footprints in history, oh, wow, that just does something to me and for me. And then and, you share those stories with us yes. and we read them and we're so amazed and we learn more of our history. Mm -hmm. And then I think of you uh, and all that you've done and how much you've overcome, how much you've accomplished and how many people you reach every day, mm -hmm. not just your patients, mm -hmm. but the nurse practitioners in the association, the nurse practitioners throughout AANP, because you're very involved in lots of the yes. different committees and all of the different works that we're doing um, at AANP, how much you inspire so many and how many nurses are looking at you? Isn't that a blessing? Isn't it's a that? blessing. Because you know what was so funny? And I want to share, and I hope you don't mind, <laughs> but I want to share when um, you asked if I would be interested, I said to you, oh, that's going to be boring. <laughs> Remember I said, your life be story. I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, no. And then, you know, to sit back and think about the things that you've done and the people you may have impacted and those yet to come, you know, it's, it's just amazing how each of us have been able to share in our nursing journey. I mean, we some started as CNAs, LPNs, registered nurses, 
and then moved all the way to nurse practitioners. And every day we have someone who's looking at us. We have someone saying to us that, you know, if I could speak like you and, you know, I don't have these big fancy words. That's what my daddy says. I don't have all these um, fancy words and fancy titles. All I want to do is be a servant to our community. And as nurse practitioners, I think that that's what we all should strive for. We're right. servants to these com- to our community. Right. I just want to share with our audience, because you and I, throughout these past couple of years, throughout the pandemic, our paths have crossed a few times as well. And that's been because you have spread your work out to the community and you have provided COVID testing, mass vaccinations to the community. And um, in many places, these were partnerships that you set up with churches in the community, community centers, uh, really for people that had a lot of questions and they weren't really sure that they wanted to get vaccinated. So tell us a little bit about that as you've expanded your practice out to the community throughout the pandemic. Yes. So that the pandemic. Wow. Let's talk about that pandemic, because that was, you know, that that was something that no one expected. So in the community, as you know, there were not a lot of people who uh, were really involved in the beginning um, of giving patient COVID vaccines because everyone was saying, oh, this vaccine is new and I'm not taking this vaccine they're going to treat us like they did with the Tuskegee Airmen. You remember that that particular study, it hindered so many black people, so many African-Americans. They were like, we're not taking another trial medication. So that goes back to you as a provider. That goes back to your trust factor. If that patient trusts you, and you're educating, that goes back to that first nurse practitioner I met. When you're educating your patients and they trust you and you tell them that this vaccine is meant, you know, it's giving them all the aspects of this vaccine, what it should do, what it can do, how it should make you feel. And they kept saying, no, I don't want it. And I kept saying, yes, you do. And they were like, no, I don't. And so when I educated them and said to them, this is what we'll do. Let's take the vaccine, see what it does. I will call you every day to make sure that you're okay. Or you can call me. I gave them my cell phone number and I said to them, if you have any symptoms that feel abnormal to you, you call me. This is how we started to break the ice. My pastor said to me, I think we should start offering that at the church. And I was like, a little bit skeptical. And I was like, "Mm, you know, we can try it and see how many people really want to do this. So that led me into actually offering the vaccines to our community. So the church was receptive. As a matter of fact, I actually put a flyer or an invitation for nurse practitioners in our nurse practitioner community in Tennessee. We have the Tennessee Nurse Practitioner 
Facebook page, and we also have the Tennessee Nurse Practitioners uh, Twitter page and LinkedIn. So what I did, I put out um, a filler to see if there were nurse practitioners who were interested in uh, teaming up with me to give the community the vaccines that we really knew that they needed. And surprisingly, I received probably 30 people who said that they could assist me in giving the community these vaccines. And they they applied their skills with me. And it was it was beautiful because we were able to educate our our community as to why it's important. And then we had them to ask, when are you doing this again? Because I need to bring my mother or my father or siblings or someone in the community. They really need to get this vaccine. And so we I knew. I knew at that point that what I was doing was impacting our community. And we have to remember that no matter how horrible we feel about ourselves, there's always someone who thinks that you are the perfect person for them. You're the perfect mentor for them. And so when we start to, I I say beat ourselves up, when we start to beat ourselves down and you know, think that you can't do anything right. You look at all of those lives you've impacted, be Uh it a patient, a colleague, there's someone you've impacted. You go back and you look at that story. You look at a card. I keep every card the patient sends, every card my colleague sends. I keep those cards as a reminder that you're not as low as you think you are and that you have done so much for other people that, you know, Uh sometimes we tend to forget about ourselves and that self-care becomes the last thing that we think about because we feel that everyone else is more important and we have to take care of us in order for us to take care of other people. And I just feel like, you know, if we gave ourselves half of what we give other people, we wouldn't have as much burnout. But then again, we have the pandemic and Mm -hmm. we have so many who are burned out. And, you know, I like to say to nurses, I know you're important. And if you see the need to send a patient to have therapy, what about you? You deserve to be able to sit in a counselor's chair and be able to allow yourself to be free from all the stress that Mm -hmm. you carry. Because if you don't, you're going to be broken. You're not going to enjoy what you do. Most of us are doing this not because of the pay. It's because we love people. We love educating people. And when we don't have that to turn to, what do we have left? Yeah. And so I know you Beautiful. didn't ask me that, but you know, I just feel the need to share. I just feel compelled to 
allow us an opportunity to be free. You've shared so much today. You've shared your story of how you became a nurse and nurse practitioner, how you've helped so many people in your community. And then you've shared stories throughout Black History Month of so many throughout history that have made such an impact on nursing. Mm -hmm. And now you're sharing some words of wisdom for us as healthcare (laughs) workers to take care of ourselves and not to, you know, burn the candle at both ends, but Mm -hmm. to take time for self-care and not to be afraid to seek help. And mental health is just as important as physical health. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Irene Bean, it has been an absolute pleasure to be with you today and spend some time (laughs) hearing a little bit more about your story. And for all of our listeners, please take time to learn more about many figures in history and learn more about Black History Month. There's so much that we can learn. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Irene. You are just so passionate and genuine, and your words bring tears to my eyes. To our listeners, please look at the podcast description on whichever platform you're listening on for links to resources from this episode. Follow Irene on social media and take some time to learn about these amazing role models in history. Please subscribe to this podcast, share with your colleagues, and check back regularly for new episodes. And as always, be kind, be safe, be effective, and be the voice of the nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm.